Hello everyone. This is uh, podcast uh, number five on uh, becoming love. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Last time we talked about uh, identity determines fruit. So we're going to keep looking into these things and uh, I love this message. Uh, we talked about offense and discouragement are self-centered mindset contrary to the kingdom. And uh, when you think in a manner uh, that creates offense or you take an offense or you have a disappointment that you go and uh, meditate on and talk about to yourself about, that, uh, that leads to discouragement. And it's always a lie. It's always a trap. Because you are thinking for yourself. You are thinking selfishly. If your mindset is producing those things, it's, it's, it just comes out of the fall of man. When, when Adam did take the bait of Satan, when he trying to get us into the position where he can take over that uh, authority. Uh, so when you think for yourself and get self-centered, that means you, you, you haven't recognized what you are under. Because an offense is always a trap. The way of thinking is always a trap. It's always wrong. And that's why it's so important to understand and to become love. Because that's what we were created in the first place. We even do that towards God when we do these things and actually find fault and charge him. We, as the clay that is on this uh, turning wheel, starting to telling the potter that, uh, why did you do this? Why did you do that? You know, that, that's just, that's just the, the purest uh, understanding of... Uh, of the fall of man and that's the pride of man that's where pride comes in and pride always leads to fall and we know that because after pride comes fall but the most important thing when you are in pride there is no grace there is no grace because God resists the prideful but he gives grace unto the humble uh, the mind we do have is from him. We have a mindset that is from Christ. And all of a sudden it is rising above him. Why does it, this mindset that has been given to us, why suddenly there is a mind shift coming up that we're putting ourselves above him? That should be of great concern for us. That's the fall, it's his finest. It's called, like I said, the pride of man. Please don't do that ever. Please stop doing accusing God for something because it always leads into the trap of the enemy. Yeah, but you don't understand why did God all of these things, this language, why do we talk this way? We should be focusing on he sent his son to get us back. He wants us in, not out. And we're going to see that much, much more during this teaching. But today we're going to talk about God did not give us a spirit of fear. We're going to go to Philippians uh, 1 verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of predation, uh, destruction, eternal damnation, but to you of salvation and that of God. So this scripture here is very interesting because we, we see here that when we understand who we are, our identity, it becomes a destruction to the enemy. But to us it's only a proof of salvation. So destruction is what they should feel because of salvation, because they are defeated. And that's what we need to look into. When we, when we walk without fear, it shows that the devil has lost his grip on you. And in 2 Timothy, we're going to look there. In 2 Timothy 
two, uh, one seven, Second Timothy one seven. I think this is a very interesting scripture, and so long the, the time I've been saved, this this kind of scares me a little bit because uh, in in this understanding what this scripture is telling us, it, it becomes very clear. But we seem to have another mindset uh, according to this. So Second Timothy, one seven. For God, this is where I said, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. For God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. I will say it again. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not. Nada. Silche. Nothing. None. There is no, no spirit of fear coming from God. But, he has given, but what He has given us is power. And He has given us love. And he's given us a sound mind. And sound mind here is self-discipline to uphold what is given to us. It, uh, so when we understand that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, the, the, sign, uh, the sign of their destruction comes when we don't receive this fear and think uh, we should be afraid. Every time you walk free from fear, the devil that is trying to provoke you to fear. He wants you to have fear because that's the manifested presence when he is there. So he wants you to have fear. It's just a proof to him that we are created in God's image and that we are Christ-like, that we are eternal and that he is being judged. So when we don't walk in fear, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. So I think it's very interesting when we go to the churches and listen to sermons. We teach a lot about fear, but it's not of God. It's not of God. Don't give the devil a time of the day. Don't, don't give him any inroad into your life. So it is not you reminding him of his future. We, I heard this so many times. You know, if the devil is here and uh, talking trash to you, uh, you should remind him of his future. I hear this all the time. Why do we even bother talking to him? He is defeated foe. He has nothing. He can't operate. If the devil reminds you of your past, he always does that to bring you into fear. Remind, so we, we've been taught that we should remind him of this future when he's going to be thrown into the pit. Why? It's only giving him an, him an opposition to be in our life. He should be out, not in. He should not have even the chance to talk to us. And we need to get to that point because that's the proof of their destruction. That's when the enemy field is co completely destructed. Because why is this destruction? Because it, it's to us the proof of salvation. Hallelujah. So are you kidding? Don't even talk to him or give him the time of the day. He is cut off. He is a cut off, withering branch coming to nothing. He's going to not be nothing. When he, why even look at him? He's out. You're in. Telling the devil off is just shows that he's getting to you. When you start talking to him that way, he's just he's he has get hold of you. When you spot uh, spot out uh, spot off to him and uh, just <laughs> anger to him, just means that he's getting to you. He's getting your attention. He's not even worth to you thinking you are to telling him off. You don't even need to tell him because he's defeated. So if we stand there and think know who we are. 
it's just pointing to him, his destruction, and he knows that you are of Christ because you are so uh, the same as Christ and, and you are in the same image as God. So he can't see the difference on you and God because you're complete the same. But when you start adding and talking to him, God would never do that. So we need to get that mindset. So, so he wants us uh, to get agitated he, uh, because he already knows uh, he wants you to tell him off. He wants you to tell him off. He wants your attention. He's thinking uh, when you tell him off, you know, uh, when you start talking the way you should be talking to him, he knows that he, that you, he has lost everything and everything has been taken away from him. And since he has lost everything, he, he can get you, at least he can do is get you yelling and screaming on top of your lungs to him. And that's giving him attention. Now he has a place in your life. It's like when we come home from work. You, you've done this many times. You come home from work and, and your spouse or your husband or somebody, your friends or something, ask how was the work today. And we start saying, oh, uh, my boss, you know, he is a jerk. But I sure gave him a piece of my mind. I just told him straight. Then in that moment, we feel like somebody, don't we? That's making yourself higher than others. It's a self-righteous. It is sin. It is the fall of man. Every mountain has, is made low. Every valley is raised up. You are uh, devaluing him and elevating you. Why do we do that? That's the trap. That's the enemy's way of doing things. So why do we need to, need to ensure that yeah, yeah, I'm sure told him straight? That's just a trap. The enemy wants us in there. We need to focus on the other side. We don't need to tell anybody, right? Because if we focus on becoming love, this situation here change. Because people want to have what you have. And have what you are. You don't even have to do that to the, uh, the devil. He wants you to do this tell him off because that's a trap. When the devil, devil takes his best shot at you and you are not moved, that's what we are teaching. That's what I'm teaching for. So when he takes his best shot at you, you are unmoved. You stand and stand there for. Not in any way terrified. Because you are not terrified. Even if he takes his best shot, that means it is as, it, 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 it's as if he is not doing anything. When he takes his best shot, you act like he didn't do anything. He's taking his best shot at you uh, uh, and you are living as if he has done nothing. That's the way we need to. When he tries to trick us, when, when he uses people around us and starting to, to get at us, we act like nothing has happened and just keep uh, focusing on love because that's when the situation changes. And you are just, because in that situation you are just in love with Jesus and you are in love with people. And that's a big difference. He's, he's just taking his best shot and you are just really free. You feel free and that's the purpose. I come so you can be free. That's where we are heading. So the truth set us free. The truth set us free. So that's what we are trying to accomplish. Because that's what we have. When you are not terrified, it's proof of his destruction. When he takes his best shot and you are not moved, that's the sign of and the proof of his destruction. But evidence of your salvation, for, for, for you it's just evidence. You, you see it works, it's just a proof to you of your salvation. Proof that you have a good grip on salvation when you are not moved by the devil. So this is very in, in, inter, interesting to see, you know, because suffering is a part of a Christian's life. And we don't like suffering. But we, we need to know what suffering is. 
So we're going to go to Philipp, uh, Philippians uh, 1.29. For unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's something given. The word given is a gift. That is the same truth Paul presented in 2 Timothy 3.12, which says, yeah, and all that, uh, will live, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is a, is a part of the Christian life. The only people who don't experience persecution is ungodly people. If we are headed the same direction as the devil, if we are walking next to him, walking in the same direction, we don't cross paths often with him. But when we turn and start swimming upstream against the flow, there will be much more uh, opposition. We suffer in the sense that we have to be in the world, but we don't live in agreement with the ways of the world. This is where the suffering is. You know, when Jesus said, uh, uh, when he went through all this suffering, you know, he cannot tolerate sin. And he was in this sinful world. And that's his suffering. That's why he didn't say anything. Because he knew he was heading to something much, much, much greater. He was heading in the direction towards God and in and with God. And that's what we should focus on. Because, you know, when Paul says, uh, when he says, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm suffering with Christ. I'm suffering. It was very important to him to say this. I'm suffering with Christ means I have uh, finished my race, you know, I forget what's behind and I only stretch what's in front of me. He's telling us something very important. And he said for him, is uh, death is gain. You know, so, so when he, if he was going to die and go home, that, that was gain. But to, to live is suffering. It meant for him that, you know, he was willing to do his job. He, was, he saw uh, the amazing thing that was in hand, front of him. But he needed to get this message out. So he was willing to suffer to be in the world with all this ugliness. But he is not of the world. So what Jesus was suffering and persecution comes because of this world belongs to the devil. But we are not of the world. So he doesn't have any dominion over us. He has nothing to say about us. So we need to get the grip of who we are. So we need to understand suffering for his sake is just amazing. And uh, you walk in love in the midst of the crooked and perverse generation that we see in the world today. You shine as a light. You are meant to shine. You are not to be hidden. You are somebody to be reckoned with. You are somebody who, who is a love machine. Every time people come in uh, close contact with you, it should be the ooze or the perfume or whatever you call it uh, that comes. It's just when they come close to you, they have this amazing smell and it smells of God. Hallelujah. 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 So it is not just uh, granted that you can believe this but that you can manifest this it's not just something you should stand in faith for it's something you manifest when you when you you remember last session it says identity determines fruit so if you are in understanding who you are you produce good fruits because you are a good tree not because you need to produce good fruit because we try to produce good fruit but we are a good tree a good tree can only produce after its own kind a bad tree cannot produce good fruit because it's only produced after its own kind so when we understand who we are we're going to produce natural good fruit and that's because we are a good tree hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah 
So it's not just something we stand in faith for, but it's something we should manifest and suffer on account of this, but it isn't really suffering. It's gain. Hallelujah. So we're going to go to Philippians verse uh, 1.30 in Philippians. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. So now you hear it's in me. So now you know I'm suffering the same sake. I'm suffering for his sake as much as you do. And Paul did it, so we should not expect anything else. We shouldn't start focusing on the circumstances. That's just what the enemy wants. We should focus on the goodness of God. We should focus on all the things that's in Christ. Why are we so focused on sin? Why are we so focused on fear? Why are we so focused on destruction? Why are we always trying to be better than we are? Why are we always trying to do it on our own way when God has already did, done this for us? And this is something we need to get hold of. Why don't we start learning what Jesus did for us instead of focusing on what the, the enemy is doing? And, and so we should have this amazing thing. Walking in the midst uh, mindset of heaven while you are on the earth. We should, because uh, Jesus said the kingdom is here. That means we should walk in this king kingdom and, uh, when we, and have the same mindset as the kingdom because that's been given to us. So we should be focusing on that. In, uh, in a mindset of mercy. Mercy is what God took away that we deserve. Hallelujah. He took away what we deserve. And, uh, and forgiveness, we should not be trained to forgive. We should be focusing on becoming forgiveness. Because instead of going through being hurt and all this pain, why not stop it at the, at the beginning and don't receive it? Learn, no, no, that's not on me. Because I'm stand, I'm not allowing this to come in because that's what the enemy wants. Because that's where he comes in. We stop it at the front. We don't allow it to come in and become offended. We work it out. We know Christ is there. We stand and stand there for. So we have a mindset of mercy and forgiveness and peace. Peace come if you don't take an offense. When you are in the midst, uh, 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 midst of unforgiveness, jealousy, pride and hostility, that's when everything goes wrong because it's a trap. There is a suffering that, there is a suffering, okay? But the suffering is not to be in an offense, being on unforgiveness, or be jealous, or prideful, or, 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 or be in hostility. That's just a trap of the enemy. We should recognize these things. This is not of Christ. This is of the devil. And we are not a part of him. Jesus endured, uh, endured suffering in the flesh. Why? Because he knew it was written. He was always referring to the devil. is written. Is written. Jesus suffered by the things which with which he was tempted. He, he didn't have any problem with it, but he suffered. The fact that he had to come as a man and be tempted at all points. He wasn't tempted. I don't like the word temptation because he come to pay. So we didn't have to. He paid for it. He didn't. So it's not that like he was tempted. So we need to be tempted. We have a guideline that he set up. So we are not supposed to be tempted. We should even be walking in that direction. Because it's much, much more interesting to see what it come out of it. So that we could experience life in the Spirit. That's the perf perfect understanding. We have a life in the Spirit. We don't have a life. The life in the flesh leads to death. We need to live in the Spirit. And all the feelings you have, all the, all the uh, good things are coming in that direction. Because if the, if the feelings on our mindset are in the right uh, direction, coming after the Spirit, that the Spirit is the leading force in us, all these feelings are amazing. Hallelujah. They are given to us for a reason. 
so that we can experience life in the Spirit. But He did that so that we could live in the Spirit. He did all what He did so we can live in the Spirit. So it must be pretty important to God that you live in the Spirit, that Jesus came and endured all that to take and to make this position back and to give it to us. So in suffering it comes something that is very interesting. In, in this suffering that we stand and stand there for, His love for us comes to the front. We start understanding, I am lovable. Oh my God, you really love me. And that's an amazing place to be. What God did for us is amazing and is intimate. Do you see how intimate this is? Do you see how you are created to be His? He meant you to be together with Him, have fellowship with Him. And when you understand that, you understand the value you have because He was willing to go through all this. Hallelujah. What else would, uh, would compel Him to come and do this? We didn't petition to make a formal written request to or uh, any authority. We just... Because he made this petition himself. He already came while we were yet sinners because he knew who we were in the first place. He, he didn't come because to change uh, the, the way we were sinners. He came because he knew who we were. Has always been. That's something we should get hold of because that's who we are. We are challenged to go out of our way for each other in life. We, that's, that's the challenge. We should be there. We should be support. It's a big deal if we go just a little out of our way for someone else and they can't believe that you would do that. That's the interesting part. But think of the gospel. Think about Jesus. What did he do for us? How did he do it? What did he do? It's amazing what he did. We need to understand what he did and then we need to learn to receive his love. Don't have this false humility, you know. Don't refuse his love in false humility. Don't do that. We say, oh, you shouldn't have. Why do we say those things? That's just false. We need to receive. If somebody buys you a nice gift and you say, in false humility, say, oh, you shouldn't have. And you can't wait to open that thing. That's just false. Why do we fall into this trap? But with the gospel, so many times people say, oh, you shouldn't have. And they don't open. That's the ugly part. They say you shouldn't have. They didn't open. So they are having this package that is unopened. We should learn to open it, guys. Getting gifts and growing up. You can't wait to tear it down, tear into them. You just want to open those boxes. Why don't we do that with the gospel? Why don't we have this, yes, I want, oh, I want to see this amazing thing. I want to open it. Is this really true? Do you love me this much? Is this my value? We need to get a grip on that. So, uh, so why do we look in the mirror and say, Jesus, I said this wrong, I'm going to say it again. Why don't we look in the mirror and say, Jesus, you, sh you should have died for them. You should. I understand it now. Because you created them in your image. That's why you did it. And uh, what they were living before you came is nothing like your image. It's completely out of line. Thanks for seeing the value in their life. Most Christians don't do that. But that's the mindset. 
he did die for Eastern Nasid, and I know they, he loves them and he loves me. So we stand there in the gap for them and we stand there in the gap for ourselves. As much as you love yourself is the capacity you can love others. So don't try to love others on the expense of lack in your own life. Because get Christ into your life. Get him to, uh, to show you the way, how much value you have. And then it's going to just pour out of you. His love is not... A mystery. His lo he loves his kids. He loves his kids. Hallelujah. And paid daily to get us back. We sing songs about how strange and weird it is that you would pay that kind of price for me. It's weird. Why would that be weird? He understands our value. We don't. We make the weirdest song. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, it's just amazing. You know, why do we sing songs like that? He's already here. It's like you telling him to leave so you can invite him again. That's just sick. We need to get a grip of who is living in us and why we are his temple. Or why would you die for me? It's simple. We are lost sons and daughters created for God's image and glory. Hallelujah. That's the value. So he paid the high price to obtain us. He found a treasure in the field. He didn't just buy the treasure. He bought the whole field. Think about that, guys. He didn't just buy the treasure. He bought the whole field. Hallelujah. To obtain the treasure that's in us. Hallelujah. He's amazing, Dad. So it's not a mystery anymore. We are created to be His. Period. Nothing more. So, so when all this is said and we talk about this, so, so what defines you? Jesus is the truth about who you are. You really are. Don't be defined by anything else. Don't let anything else define your life or identify. Your identification doesn't come through people or things coming against you or problems that you live in. That's not your identity. Your identity can only come from Christ. We'll probably use a lot of time to explain this in different, uh, um, different angles. Um, on this, this topic is very important. What do, do you define us? I think that's something we need to get uh, very, very deep into. And let a lot of other stuff tell us who we are. We should, what you do, did yesterday doesn't tell you your identity today. For example, uh, I had an aunt back uh, when I was a kid that said something very ugly to me. I think I was around seven years old. Um, and she didn't know and she didn't understand. She just said these things. And they stuck with me uh, all the way up to I was 45 years old. And I still remember what my aunt said when I was seven years old. Why do we make that matter so much? Why do we keep having this way of uh, somebody said something? Why do we have this? Because we still live in a logical, rational human wisdom thinking and give it permission in our everyday lives. Because that's why we keep us with it. Because we allow it to be there. You want to go to the place where you don't even relate to that kind of thinking. You need to get the mindset of Christ. Christ has come. Because why, do you, why did I use all this time for this one sentence uh, when I was seven years old and I couldn't get uh, rid of it before I was 45? It was the understanding of Christ that took it away because she didn't know. I was looking above her and I, I saw the, the spiritual d dynamics uh, that was in, in, in operation and I understood one thing. 
it was not her. She didn't understand. So why did I hold a grudge against her? Because I allowed it to be in my life. And we are very, very good at that. Why did she say? Why did he say? Why, why did he say that? What, what did I do wrong? And we start keeping meditating on that. Why? We know that works, don't we? When we start going this direction, we know it works because we become uh, really sad and it hurts and, it, and we, we always look around what is coming next. So we know that way of meditating on this evil and this um, God's, uh, not God's, but the devil's trap that he put in front of us to be offended, we know it works. So why don't we switch from this way of thinking to what Jesus says and start meditating on that and it works much better. Hallelujah. So we need to get the grip on now that Jesus uh, has come. And we think the more intimate the relationship, the more damage is done. So, uh, so, uh, so the more intimate or closer we get to devil, that becomes very, very destructive. I hear this a lot, and I, I think this is a difficult topic, but I'm going to say it anyway. I hear this a lot of time. Well, I hear what you are preaching. I hear what you're teaching. I hear what you're telling me. But it's hard because I never had a dad who loved me. I hear that all the time. And I, in my, I need to be very careful here because of what I really want to say, and sometimes I do say it. What does that have to do with anything? Now that Christ has come, we have the wrong focus. I understand the missing of a father that loves you, but you have one who does. And that means in the moment our focus on the earthly thing is more necessary to us than God is, that, that becomes a problem in our life. You have a very good father. Why are we looking for uh, worth through the natural dad when he is not giving it? It's a, it's, I don't say anything wrong with a good father. Don't misunderstand me here now, an earthly father. He is amazing. You have the father that loves you. You have he really father. You don't have to relate to natural dad if he doesn't love you. Why do you let that determine your life? Call no man on earth your father. You have a father. He is in heaven. So why do you compare God to a natural experience with your dad when God gave his son and has a whole different resume? Uh, than your dad. He has a track record that is totally complete opposite if you have a dad that is not loving you or showing that affection towards you that he should. Why do you comp take God down to the same and do the same from his point of view? That's just wrong. Please understand me, that's wrong. We should, because it determines and, and, and it controls and it uh, tracks your life. So you can't get out of this because that's your occupation. You, this is your focus because you allow it to be there instead of going to Christ when he is now come. And, and when he says in communion, everything is mine, that is mine, he says, is yours. So, and everything you have is his. So why don't give it away? Why keep holding this? Oh, this is so, this is so big in, in my life. I learned this lesson so hard. Why do we compare the two and try to get God uh, get to God through the natural. We can't. I don't even want a grid for that. I, I, I think it's just ridiculous. Your circumstances will never be perfect. Don't let circumstances be the foundation of your life. Your circumstances will never ever be perfect. 
So don't let circumstances be the foundation of your life. Don't let circumstances determine your identity. Here is what uh, it will do. It will give uh, permission for logic and the flesh to continue to run your life. Think about it. When you think logical and let your flesh, your feelings and emotion control your life, that's what you get when you, you uh, let circumstances uh, determine your direction. And unless all of your ducks are in a row. I, I remember this so well because this is something God told me. You know, I was down in, in Bergen Centrum and there is uh, uh, water in, in the center there where the, it, it's called the Festplassen. The, it's where all the parties and all the exhibition are taking place outdoors. There is a water there and there's a lot of ducks there. And when, when I saw this, you know, God said to me, uh, if you're living by circumstances and trying to let circumstances determine your life, it's like you're looking out of this water and every duck in this water, is like a hundred, were online and they were swimming online. That's the chance you have to get uh, your life determined by circumstances. It never would happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, you can't get your ducks in a row. Do you see the paradox? Who has a perfect scenario from circumstances? No one. And like everyone says it, but we're still trying to live from it. And unless God touches me at the altar and delivers me, that's what you set yourself up for. You are looking for a manifestation that's going to change. But manifestation, if it doesn't happen your way, your circumstances, circumstances takes over and your feeling comes in a full way. And when you always go into the altar for God to touch you, not to change you, it means you're allowing all this to keep going on in your life. And it's a very position of weakness. It's just where everything goes wrong. In Colossians 1.13 it says, You are delivered from the power of darkness and trans translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So you are not in darkness. So why do you always need to come up there and be touched? I'm not saying anything wrong about the being up there and being touched by God, but you should go up there for the right reason, to be changed so you don't need to do this every time. And you didn't, shouldn't have these circumstances controlling your life. You are already delivered. Hallelujah. You're trying to get it over again. Because of um, this thinking, you uh, hear the phrase, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. I'm in the midnight hour. We are flesh ruled in this sentence. We, you don't wait for your breakthrough. Jesus took that breakthrough and gave it to you. We are flesh ruled, sense ruled, and we find very little in our hearts at those times. It's just circumstance, outward things. But you don't have as much trouble as you think. You don't have all this trouble, you think, because you let circumstances control you. That's why you have the troubles. The trouble. You have a gospel, and that is more than enough. So now we're going to look at uh, Philippians 2, verse 1. If, I'm going to read it and I'm going to explain it. If there be therefore any consultation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowls and mercies and consultation, listen to this, if there is any reason to be encouraged, which there is, fellowship of the Spirit, relationship, communion, koinonia, interface, uh, Holy Spirit is the real deal for your intimacy with God. So this scripture, we need to read it because if you go into Bible Hub and, uh, and, and search this scripture out and go to the Greek and just uh, look at what the words are meaning, it means that since there is, uh, since there uh, be therefore, consultation in Christ. It, since the, it, it is, since it is. 
is always because is referring to what is. Because Paul is writing, because of this, because of this, because of this there is consultation, because of this there is love, because of this there is fellowship in the Spirit, and there is mercies, and there is all of this amazing thing God given us because of Christ, now that He has come. And the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit of Christ, He is the Spirit of truth, He is the Spirit of everything, He is the one who is the real deal for your intimacy with God. And that's what we need to get hold of. And, and in verse 2, he says, Fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. This is Paul talking like a father. He is trying to encourage us. He is, he is caring for the, God, the people. What fulfilled his joy? What was fulfilling his joy? That they become like-minded. Like-minded as Christ. Hallelujah. And as Paul. In verse 3 it says, Let nothing be done through strife. <laughs> Let nothing become, be done by strife or uh, vainglory, but in loveliness of mind, and let each esteem other better than themselves. And that is the greatest gift of them all. That's the purpose of the fivefold ministry, what I just said. Esteem other better than yourself. Because if you have a mindset of if you want to help someone, give them everything you have. Because you didn't pay for it. What I what gold and silver we don't have, but what I do have, I give you. I give it to you all. And in that moment, when you give this to them, you need to have the mindset that this in this moment you give it all, that person you give it to should be having you should be having the focus that they are better than you because they have something themselves and that's also a part of what Ephesians 4 talks about when every part does their own special works it makes the other grow so if i give some all what i have of course they're going to grow because they have something themselves and when they grow i grow and that's the best gift of them all that is uh, the gift that is needed at this time we need to be coming close together because we are love and love always hook up. Hallelujah. So in this situation, that's when we understand this, that we have the same mindset, we, we understand the same, same thing, that's when we start manifesting Him. We're going to manifest Him when we start understanding this. And to manifest Him is going to be the next session. So I'm just thanking everyone out there. I just speak this love over you that you are much, much better than you think. You are amazing. You are specially made. You are just just something that is like a treasure, hidden treasure. You need to see that treasure. When you find him, you find you. When you find him, you find you. And you understand in that moment the value you have, you, that you are lovable. He loves you. With, when you start saying these things, you know, I have the same mindset. I, I, I know he loves me. Thank you, dad, you love me. Thank you, dad, you love me. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy, for the Holy Spirit. The Jesus Spirit in me is to remind me everything Jesus did and everything Jesus done. So I'm just thanking everyone. I'm just loving this message. I hope you love this as much. See you soon and talking to you soon. In Jesus' name, amen.